Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jerry Springer. Thank you. Thank you. Don't get up. Don't get up. Thank you. We're going to. Hey, so uh, what's what's new, Gene? Oh, well, I don't know. I, I should tell Megan this and uh, Dave. <laughs> oh, by the way, that's what an opening! That, shows you, that no. shows you how Megan, prepared I am Megan, for this show. Yes, you should know. I called Jerry yesterday, two days ago, and said we need to do a speed check on your phone. How'd that go? He he actually did it. We told him how to do it, you know, go on Google and hit speed check and then see what the download speeds and what the upload speed is because uh, he's uh, recording from a different place. So to our audience, we're still Zooming. We're getting closer to getting back live because the whole country is changing. Praise the Lord. Uh, things yep. are getting better. And uh, by the way, we have uh, Tom Vandenhaven on uh, shortly. He is a great singer-songwriter. He's been with us before. Or I should say we were with him at Whispering Beer Folk Festival. Yeah. What, Jerry and Megan, about five, six years ago or so. Yeah. And so he's going to be on with us. Jerry's going to do a thought of the week. We love those. Uh, but it was amazing. I was very impressed, Jerry, that you could do the science the, <laughs> of doing a speed check. Didn't you feel good about yourself after you did that when you saw those numbers and then you conveyed them to me? I passed. So, so let me let me get this straight. He pushed a button. Yes, he read yes. He, he read a number. Two numbers. Yeah, I initially, and then and then I, communicated I said number to you. Megan, yes. that's correct. It was a three-step process. All right. Yeah, well. but yeah, you think it was <laughs> but, three. I, I misspelled speed. And <laughs> yeah. so it was a four-step process for me. But I yeah. put a speed and I realized it had two E's, not EA. And then I, uh, what did I do next? Oh, I hit that. And, mm -hmm. and then it came, and a little circle kept going round and round. And then yeah. it came up with numbers. Okay, I this no can't idea. be the podcast, having Jerry Springer walk us through his technology prowess for the evening. Like but, we but got look, it's working. And, it and, I'm, and the reason I had to do it is because I had to see if I could do it from um you know my my place in uh, in chicago and um it didn't no because i don't have wi-fi <laughs> and i you know and i try that which is ridiculous not having wi-fi when you own literally seven homes spread <laughs> out throughout the world it's not making like two of them in america he has seven homes he has but a house in switzerland not... he has a home well, come on that, that, that you know that is a, I swear I don't have a home in Switzerland. Okay. It doesn't matter really, Jerry. It's 2021. How do you not have Wi-Fi? Why? Point, why? <laughs> a lot of people are asking why. That's why they call My it bigger that. question is why, why, have fun? why why are you without it, sir? Well, I like um, how you emphasize why five, <laughs> Jerry. Why? Why five? Well, I never, uh, I didn't need it. Uh, I didn't think I needed it. But anyway, so I went to uh, our daughter's uh, home, and uh, which frankly is just 36 steps away. 
and uh, and she has Wi-Fi. She, yeah. uh, in fact, she has she has a phone that you don't have to that isn't plugged in to the wall. Unbelievable. And and Unbelievable. and. And it's, she doesn't even have, you know, we, you know, we have the rotator dial. She doesn't have that either. What do you think, Megan? I'm throwing up in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's go to that subject. <laughs> hey, Let's get you, the technology in you is just something that's really. Um... No, but the, I'm doing it on a phone. And, and, and you know what? And the picture is clear. Sounds and good. and you can hear me, so I think this is as good as a regular computer. I asked uh, last week <laughs> Casey Campbell, <laughs> our music coordinator, if he would. Uh, God, it's sort of morbid. I said, Casey, would you gather right. all the singer songwriters that you know that I know? Well, the ones that I know, he knows way more than I know, but I've gotten to know a lot of them through the podcast and through living in Ludlow, Kentucky, because yes. it's Ludlow, Kentucky has been become kind of a little enclave of singer songwriters. It's, some people moved in, it was contagious, others moved in, it's very cool. So I said, uh, whenever it is that I die, I would like you to lead this choir of singer songwriters and do Amazing Grace. I like that song. He says, yeah, I'll do that. And then Casey said, uh, you know, surprisingly, or not, I'm asked to do that a lot. Remember he said that? He's, yeah. But it turns out his father was, and he sadly died a year or two ago, but his dad was a funeral director. Mm -hmm. And Casey, I think we'd all agree, is an amazing singer. So he's a songwriter, but he also just has this great voice and he plays guitar, he can accompany himself. And so he's, how would you like to be that guy uh, who sings was asked deal. to sing at funerals? Dude, I'd be well, we, we, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've got a, a captive audience. That's <laughs> yeah, true. Ain't nobody leaving. Right? Gene, you, you and I had the job as the elevator comics where we'd go on elevators right. and uh, with people on it. And we do, you know, we do 30 seconds of comedy because by then it's the next floor and they got to get off. So right. the jokes have to be quick. They have to be one liners. Right. Well, hey, hey, by the do, way, hey, real fast. Why, why don't I we saw become you. the the funeral comics well, we go to go. funerals because people are all sad and depressed and we go and you know that would not do, help the situation we'll, jerry we do five minutes no i'm loving it i tell you i think <laughs> and I, we could I stand up there and say, well that would be an audience that died well okay, okay. well hey put on phone. <laughs> hey uh how about i'll write it's a script so because we don't have a lot of production money and megan uh, you would get in on this i hope <laughs> And you'll make a little walking around money off on the side. But uh, what I'd like to do is do a script and then next podcast, uh, we could record it on the air because the only time we ever talk to each other is when we're doing the podcast. Oh, yeah. Because we and none of us like each other. No, no. no. And we would have, uh, as we call it in the business, hot mics. And we would then, boom, lay down, as we say in the business, a track. How about that? Say yeah. hey. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm busy, but uh... yeah, yeah. hey, hey, what would you want? So, what do you think of this idea? Because I'm always looking for some nope. scheme. No, nope. <laughs> I mean, just like that. No, I would, I would like Casey to sing a uh, gene. I'd prefer if you didn't, but I'd I, I would like uh, <laughs> Casey to sing at my funeral. Yeah, I'd like him to sing, um, yeah, uh, Pineapple Princess. Um, 
Annette nice. Funicello. Annette Funicello's song, Pineapple Princess. That's that always a catchy tune. You, you Not like really, but tune. when I was a kid, I had her picture up on my wall. Yeah. And uh, okay. she was so cute. I liked Annette. Yeah. She was cute. Oh, she was great. Pineapple All Princess, right. I love you. You're the sweetest. <laughs> oh, Sorry. No, that's well, Casey will hit that. Hey, Megan, you're, so you're not open to the idea of the uh, bringing back uh, the Jerry Springer trio and, and doing some uh, trio performances at funerals? You don't think that's a good idea? Um, it, I don't mean to step on your creative flow there, yeah. Jerry. Hey, step I, on I, it. I'm step trying on it. <laughs> Just crush it, it like the bug it is. Uh, <laughs> Why don't we ask Tom to join you? Tom, and we, can, and we can make it a quartet. What? No, he's, 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 he's just absolutely not. Tom's out. Well, That's an outside. Well, at least voice. we have one guest yeah. with judgment. Yes. Yeah. Um, he, he, how about this? It. How about you guys go try it out? And yeah. then tell us how that worked out for you. Well, you we have to be invited. Know. You can't just walk into a funeral. You have well, to be invited. Who do you to know that's going to die funeral. soon, Jerry? Like, you, you need to do some planning. How about me? <laughs> At our age, man. I'm willing well, to Walking around it. asking your friends, like, how, like, in the real grand I'll scheme of things, how much I'm time you got feeling, left? I'm not feeling that well. I could do a test run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We could do a speed check on Jerry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, Jerry. Oh, Jerry's oh, healthy. Oh, oh. Jerry's <laughs> Hey, Jerry, uh, yes. what's caught your interest this week? There's so much goes on every week, isn't it true? There is. Yep. What's there your, is. What, what caught your interest? Well, uh, I put together some thoughts here. It's clearly the most consequential first hundred days of any presidency since FDR's first term. Well, maybe I'm forgetting Trump, who almost destroyed America and everything we stand for in his first hundred days. But in terms of doing positive things for our country and people, not since Roosevelt's New Deal has a new president, the president literally hoisted America back on the right track with his own for these times New Deal. President Biden has been truly amazing. A $1.9 trillion pandemic relief bill passed in March, a $2.3 uh, billion trillion infrastructure bill for rebuilding roads, bridges, railways, broadband across rural America and affordable housing is now on the table. And now to put it an exclamation point in all this, he ends his first hundred days with a $1.8 trillion American Families Plan, which would provide universal pre-K classes for three and four-year-olds, billions for childcare subsidies, extend child tax credits for most parents, federal family and medical leave program, free two-year community college. And if all this doesn't help low and middle income families in America, I ask you, what does? And yet, Republicans who profess to be pro-family reject the plan, dead on arrival. The good news is, if the Democrats can keep their caucus together, they could pass this without a single Republican vote. Though it begs the question, why wouldn't Republicans support it in the first place? The answer is they don't want to give Biden and the Democrats any victories. That's the easy answer, which is Mitch McConnell's way, 
just as it was with blocking anything Obama wanted to do when he became president. Their stated reason for opposing Biden's family's plan is that it costs too much and to pay for it would necessitate raising corporate taxes and taxes on the top 1%, heaven forbid. That's the Republican mantra. And yet, as it's, and yet it's always wrong. As Biden said, trickle down never works. Giving rich people a tax break doesn't help the economy by resulting in them spending more. They can already afford anything they want if they're rich. It just results in their companies showing a bigger profit. And their pay packages are often dependent on whether they increase their corporation's profit margins. The rich get richer, the middle class stays stagnant. Also, cutting corporate taxes as a rule doesn't increase employment. A company never hires one more person than it needs. And if the income of the poor and middle class isn't increased, consumer spending won't increase. So neither will the necessity for hiring more people. The corollary is also true. Higher taxes on the wealthy doesn't kill jobs. The Clinton tax hikes in 93 resulted in an actual increase of 23 million new private sector jobs. Same with Obama's second term tax hike, two and a half million new jobs every year. The key is, if the spending is an investment in the American people, then the economy grows. Let me give you an example. With the American Families Plan, investing in education, pre-K through college, we are investing in a generation that will become productive, tax-paying citizens, able to compete and grow in an economy of emerging technologies. That's why their education is important. Secondly, if young parents can now afford daycare, that gives them an opportunity to return to or enter the job market, thereby increasing employment in America by several million and increasing the number of taxpayers thereby, which helps pay for these programs. Also, since most caregivers, caregivers are women, this will be a great boost to having women able to pursue their dreams as well as men. So what really is this Republican opposition about? History might give us a clue. When the depression hit in the 30s, all America was hit, rich and poor. The government spent whatever it had to put people back to work, as well as direct payments to people without jobs. We had aid to families with dependent children. And then when World War II came, the government provided daycare so women could work in the factories that men had left to fight the war. So obviously, these programs worked. They worked when, then, and they can work now. Because now we have obvious needs. So why oppose these programs? To be blunt, our whole attitude toward government help and support in our lives reversed itself with the arrival of the civil rights movement. When the courts started ruling that government programs and facilities had to be open to blacks as well as whites, suddenly welfare was viewed as a bad thing. 
politicians grabbing onto the race card, a la Reagan, stereotyping black women on welfare as welfare queens, started cutting back welfare benefits. And basically all programs that helped minorities, even if in fact most people who benefited from these programs were white. Race continues to be the most powerful force in our culture and in our politics. Ever since Republican politicians made a deal with the devil, that is with white supremacists, that they would back them on race if in turn the supremacists would vote Republican and not support taxes on corporations and the rich, Republican politicians will never be swayed to help minorities. Racism is their political insurance policy. Hey, white supremacists, we'll vote with you on race if you vote with us on not taxing the rich, which is why Biden has no reason to negotiate and compromise with them. They'll never bend. They'll always vote no. So push through the American Families Plan on your own. It's as clear as black and white. Yeah, good. Thank you, Jerry. That's a good one. Yeah, it was. He usually has some pretty good thoughts in that noggin of his. That's what this show's about. (laughs) It's about (laughs) half an hour. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. All right. This evening we have with us Tom Van Denevin. Welcome, Tom. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Did I I say it right? No, you did not. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's... Yeah, go ahead. It's uh, it's Van den Oven. Tom Van den Oven. Oh, Jerry's got it down. Van den Oven. Van den Oven. I am sorry. All right, it's Tom. All right. Well, welcome. We have had you on it's the show. Okay, with- Morgan. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Thanks, Larry. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, we have had an iteration of Tom on our show before. What back six years ago? Is that correct, sir? Correct, sir. When yeah, whenever that whispering beard show was, and Jerry was playing wiffle ball out in the field, it was quite a sight. Yes. Oh my gosh, that's right. You have a good swing, <laughs> Jerry. It was good. Yeah, well. It's, I can swing. Well, and miss, but no, that's okay. That's, no, <laughs> no. See, see, why, why do I always go in that direction? It's no, not it no, it's not. Anyway, Tom, back to you. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little bit about what you have for us this evening. What you've been up to? Um, your style of music. Tell us all. Tell us what you got here, sir. Well, tonight we're gonna play a song from one of my records, and I, I wrote this one. Years ago, when I was living in Madrid, Spain, and I, I used to hang out with Irish people because they spoke wow. really good English over there, easier <laughs> for me to understand. Uh, and uh, my friend took me to a ceremony they were having up out in the country where one of the great civil uh, Spanish Civil War battles was fought, Harama, and I met an old soldier up there. He was an Irishman who fought in the Spanish Civil War. He fought against the fascists. And uh, I got to meet him and learn his life story. And I wrote this song about him. And uh, years later, he got to hear it before he passed away. And he said he really liked it. That's so cool. His name's Bobby Doyle. Bobby Doyle. That's Boy, that's an Irish name. (laughs) Megan, let me jump in with a question to Tom. You're saying that uh, there were people who came to Spain, is it not true, from around the world, to fight against fascism oh, in the in that Spanish yeah. Civil War. Yes. Well, and Americans, they yeah. 
and, and are you saying that in this case, this gentleman uh, relocated after the war and stayed in Spain? No, this Irishman. He he didn't. He was visiting because they. He was the. Last, he was visiting. He was the last Irishman alive who fought in the Spanish Civil War, so they're oh, having no a big kidding. yeah a, a big ceremony for him. It was oh wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. And when we were cool. talking about Hemingway uh, episode or so ago, which Tom you told us off mic you listened to, and you are were an English major at the University of Wisconsin, you said yes, and you also studied and loved Hemingway as I did, and Megan and Jerry may have as well. Sure. That that he Hemingway went to Spain. My my memory is right. Um, he covered it, I know, because I know he was part of the. Yeah. Hemingway was part of the of the of a medical unit. Uh, drove an ambulance in World War One, and that's where uh, right. Farewell Italy, Arms right. came from, and all that. Yeah. Uh, but didn't he go also to the Spanish Civil War and covered it as a journalist? A journalist, I believe so. Right. Yeah. There you go. Interesting. Okay. Very cool. That was really the precursor of the uh, Second World War. Mm -hmm. That the uh, the nations basically practiced or, or or experimented with a lot of their weapons that they wow. would use in World War II, especially Germany. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. So uh, they were yeah. on the side. Bobby Doyle was actually in a in a prison camp that they ended up, you know, using as a model. So it was a an horrible place, but he survived. Yeah. Wow. wow. So. For our uh, show this evening, you have for us the song, Even the Olives Are Bleeding. Correct. Is that correct? All right. So tell us about this song. And <laughs> Well, that was the story for that song. <laughs> that is the song. Okay. There you go. All right. Let's hear it. All right. Thanks, guys. Stood on top of the hill shaking One day shy and ninety Lifetimes away from the battle below Her armor and the dying of the mighty He was just a boy that worked like a man In industrial schools and taught him pain And the IRA was a way out of that hell So they went in to fight down his pain Heavy as over the hill, the harvest moon is receding. Bobby, I don't wanna go, but I know I gotta go down the river, even the olives are bleeding. Heavy as over the hill, the harvest. 
Excellent, excellent. Well, thank you. Tell us where we can find more of your music. Obviously, that was your album cover there, but where can we go to hear more? Probably TomVandenoven.com. All right. I think it's spelled out. Yeah. yeah. I had right. one. Well, it, it kind of changes the mood. I, I was mistaken when I, before we talked about what the song was about, and when even the olives are bleeding, I thought it was a Christmas song. Uh because um, about reindeer, I mean, why would you do a song about one of Santa's reindeer, Olive? Um, well, I do like Christmas songs, but yep. I didn't know he had a reindeer named Olive. Yeah, it's Olive the Other Reindeer. <laughs> <laughs> I set you up for that one. <laughs> Checks in the mail. Thank you very much. Yeah, hey. Olive the Other Reindeer. <laughs> I want to see Megan's face because I know she's happy that I mentioned that. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. That was that was a special one, Jer. Well, just in time for me to mention writing a five star review. Thank you for that, Mr. Springer. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. People listen to this. And yes. So if you are so inclined, go check us out on our social media, Jerry Springer podcast. You can check us out on Facebook. You can check us out on Instagram, anywhere you get your podcast. Leave us a five star review uh, so that folks know that you're listening and know that you like us. And we're could, could you one day read at least one of them? I have this insecure feeling that I feel like maybe that's something you should talk to your executive producer about. <laughs> oh, we, um, we don't yeah. yet have a five star. No, um, we'll talk about that. Jared. <laughs> well, actually, Megan, <laughs> next podcast next week, be oh. sure to tune in because sure we're going to read one of those. Now, see if that's not a cliffhanger to get you back yeah. for our next podcast. I don't yeah. know what is. <laughs> I was hoping maybe you, I could come back. Too there next we go. We can have oh, Tom good. back. Yeah, I was and hoping yeah. you have you read some of them, not one of them. <laughs> one of them. All right. And on that note, thank you very much for joining us. And we're going to have Tom take us out on Irene. Good night. Thank you, everybody. listening to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. 
Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. Sometimes I live in town. Sometimes I take a great notion to jump in the river and drown. Now. Thank you.